Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. <laughs> and a crazy cat. If you guys hear something, it's the crazy cat. Okay, so I have a stupid joke. What do you call a man with no arms and no legs stuffed in your mailbox? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. Bill. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I started looking up pun jokes because they're hilarious, so get ready for that. Oh, great. Can't wait. Okay, so I have some, either I should have walked out of a first date, or I did walk out of a first date. Okay, these are always good. Yeah. Uh, One, when he said he was actually from an entirely different state, looked completely different from his photos, and then asked if he could borrow $400 for methadone before we even ordered. Oh my god! I left immediately. Uh, yeah. Holy shit. What the fuck? Yeah. I went to his house to play Magic... Which, I don't know what that is. It's like a card game. Oh, okay. Uh, after meeting him at my local game store for a few times, I excused myself to pee, and as I was peeing, he stood outside of the bathroom door and did an awful impression of the Joker laugh while saying he'd been waiting for someone like me and other extremely creepy phrases about how I was perfect for him. Oh, my gosh. The post-peeing bathroom exit was absolutely awkward, Riddled with me saying several different versions of, oh, wow, that's a great Joker impression, and him continuing to speak like the Joker. It was the longest, most tense, fearful walk down the stairs. (laughs) I left shortly after that. It still tortures me. Oh, my gosh. That's horrifying. That's very horrifying. Uh, When at the party I met her and her current boyfriend said, go ahead, take her. I'm sick of her shit. (laughs) Yeah, red flag number one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, maybe I'll skip this one. You can keep her. <laughs> I went on a date a few months after me and my college girlfriend had broken up. I'd matched with this girl on a dating app, and we messaged a bit. But she was relentless about wanting to know more about my ex and how I felt after the breakup. I looked past this and met her for dinner a couple nights later. I walked into the restaurant, and my ex was sitting at the table under that girl's name. I turned around to walk out and got a dating app notification from the girl I had agreed to meet. Quote, you'll never be able to get away from me. You should have stayed at home that night. Oh, I should have stayed at home that night. I don't understand. So this guy broke up with his girlfriend. Uh-huh. Then uh, he, he joined a dating app, met this girl. They messaged a bit and they, all she wanted to know about was his ex-girlfriend and how he felt after their breakup. Okay. So he did, agrees to meet this girl in person, walks in, and his ex-girlfriend is sitting there. That's where I'm confused. Under the name. It was her the whole time. Oh, it was his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Ugh. Yeah, creepy. And then she sent him a, a text saying, you'll never be able to get away from me. Oh, my gosh. Creepy. Move. Out of state. Yeah, really. Change everything. <laughs> Uh, When he read me poetry he wrote about his ex, then showed me his Viagra stash. Uh, 
fun date. Yay. <laughs> Later. <laughs> oh my God. I met a girl at a bar and things clicked well. We went on a date a few nights later and she showed up with her sister, quote unquote. I didn't think anything of it at the time and figured she was probably being safe since we'd just met. But this happened two more times. I finally said, can we go out without your sister? She seemed insulted by the idea. I found out months later that she had no sister. It was just her friend and they did everything together. Truly strange. That is like, just be with her. Yeah. When I waited at a restaurant longer than I'd like to admit, I called him asking if he was on his way and he said yes. When he finally showed up, he told me he had just gotten to the, to the gym when I'd called. What? It was a bad night. What a dick. Uh, he didn't let me look at the menu, ordered for me a water and a kid's chicken tender meal. What? I'm 24. Ate half my meal and was talking so much about himself, he spit pieces of chicken at me. Ew. God. What? What is wrong with people? I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Uh, We had a great time at dinner and went for a walk through a park afterwards. We were walking along and talking, and she mentioned that she's still technically engaged to a guy, but she was only marrying him because he'd gotten her pregnant. (laughs) When she'd had a miscarriage a few days ago and hadn't told him, since there was now no baby and she'd met me, she was going to tell him and break up with him. There was no second date. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. What a bitch. Seriously. Next one, she told me she'd recently celebrated 100 days of being sober and then suggested we both go buy some cocaine. (laughs) She told me not to worry about it because she'd done it a few times since celebrating those 100 days. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, Oh, that's not sober. No. Ten minutes into the date, he was checking out two women at the table next to us, like hardcore staring and peeking around the booth wall until they looked at him. Uh, What the fuck? moron he went on a long and obnoxious rant about how my job at the time an assistant welder was quote stupid and a waste of time and that i should become a dental hygienist and a job that i had no interest in because quote at least it has a future oh my god fuck you dude what are you doing with- oh my god <laughs> oh my god Next shoot one. if you become a welder now you're you're she, she was probably go. doing be- something more manly than oh, him yeah. and doing better than him. So oh, he yeah. had to put her down. Yeah. Feel definitely. better about himself. Definitely. Absolutely. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Uh, she brought her ex-boyfriend to see if he approved. And after he did, they asked for a, three- a threesome. This was not ever mentioned before the date. I'm not saying threesomes are bad necessarily. But at least, like, warn someone. Yeah, you don't just spring something like that on somebody. Oh, this is my ex-boyfriend, and he approves of you. You guys want to go fuck? (laughs) Uh, She pulled out her her iPad and started trying to sell me insurance. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) That's horrible. I picked her up, and she said, let's hurry up and go. My husband will be back soon. Don't worry, we're getting a divorce, but he won't want to see me on a date. Um, oh my God. Call me when you actually have a divorce. And maybe a place of your own. Yeah. God. I showed up and her best friend was there who I hadn't been warned was coming with us. Then her brother showed up. Then her dad showed up. Oh my God. Then her mom and her three cousins, aged three to five, show up. That was the 
point I excused myself to go to the bathroom. Thankfully, this was one of the places where the employees would sneak you out if you're having a bad date and need out. (laughs) And apparently, I was the first guy they had ever snuck out at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, He said, you're not pretty enough for me, but maybe you're you're freaky enough to make up for it. Oh, fuck you. What the hell? People are assholes. Uh, We were waiting for a table at a restaurant. It was a nice summer evening, so we stood outside and had an enjoyable conversation while waiting by the front door with a few other people. The hostess opened the door and told us that our table was ready. He lifted his leg up and farted so loud that other people stopped their conversations just to look at us. Oh, my God. With a big smile on his face, he said, I sure didn't want that going off inside. I turned around and walked away. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would die. Uh, you don't, like, I would have turned. I would have turned around and walked away. Absolutely. Oh I wouldn't have even said anything. No, bye. Oh, my God. For our first date, I went over to his place to watch a movie. As we were making out, he reached over and gave me a wedgie, not once, but three times. I left before the movie was over. On a different first date, this guy and I were at a restaurant, and the conversation was going well until he said, Yeah, I don't really believe in happiness. It just seems fake to me. Uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. You don't believe in happiness? What? What the fuck with the wedgie shit? I d- maybe he was wishing she had thongs on? Is that like his fetish or something? I don't know. I've I don't never, know. I've never that's heard never, of that one. That's never happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, wow. <laughs> I went to meet a guy for the first time at his house. There was a, a pile of toenail clippings on his coffee table. It wasn't... One recent clipping. It was like many clippings. Out the door I went. Ew. Gross. Throw it away. <laughs> Especially if someone's everybody, over. Everybody has to clip their toenails. Absolutely. Don't leave them on the fucking coffee table. No. 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 Especially when you know someone's coming over. Exactly. That's, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I was done with the date when she said she needed to take a wee as we walked down a back alley to the next bar she pulled her jeans down took a shit behind a bin then searched in the bin and wiped with a sheet of newspaper i was totally infatuated with her after working with her for a few months and in 30 seconds it disappeared fast that is disgusting on your first date any date any date (laughs) but especially Wow. What the fuck? It's like that lady that would go, what, jogging or something? Oh my gosh. Shit in those people's yard? That was in Fishers. Did you know that? I think so. It's like 20 minutes from us. What the hell? And she would leave toilet paper. Oh my God. Yeah, and it was like every other yard. It's so gross. What are you eating? (laughs) I just. Can't you go before? I don't. You go jogging? Okay, we've not talked about shit in a long time, but <laughs> I really don't want to. Yes, you do. <laughs> okay, he took me to a strip club and asked if I liked to party, which meant do cocaine in the bathroom. When I asked if he had a big family, he asked what I meant. I said, like, siblings or cousins. He seriously asked me, what are cousins? What? He offered 
me $100 to take a stack of singles and, quote, make it rain on the stripper. After about 30 minutes, I told him I had to go and asked if he could come home with me. And he asked if he could come home with me. When I said no, he got angry and made a scene. <laughs> what are cousins? What? <laughs> what? Holy shit. <laughs> oh my Even God. if you don't have any, you should still know what they are. Who doesn't know what a cousin is? <laughs> who? Who? Like, seri- like, seriously. Who doesn't know what that is? Okay, I met up with an okay Cupid guy at a local barbecue place. During dinner, he ate ribs without chewing with his... Uh, while chewing with his mouth open. Gross. Wiped the barbecue sauce from his hands onto his white tank and pants. Tried to feed me by hand. Yeah. And only talked about the gym and his mother. Who he FaceTimed on our date to introduce me. Oh my god. Run! Run! <laughs> really yeah, fast. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Oh, no, I'm out of... I was talking to a guy who was a math professor, and he invited me on a date to an outdoor play where he was playing a, quote, important role. I showed up to see it was a church picnic, and he was playing the devil. He introduced me to his family, and all they talked about was Weird Al music. (laughs) They didn't listen to anything but Weird Al. What? Then his sister went on a loud tangent about why I went to... To a private school, since, unbeknownst to me, he had told them everything about me and every conversation we'd ever had. I faked an emergency and got out of there. He wanted to take me to the state fair with his whole family for a second date. Uh, no. Oh, my God. Hard pass. That is, like, nightmare. Ugh. With a Weird Al soundtrack. Oh, my God. (laughs) What the hell? Holy shit. Uh, the girl, I, the girl kept farting the whole time we were playing mini golf. Not stinky ones, more vocal. I didn't think of it at first, but I noticed she was using the putter as a cane and tapping it hard on the ground when she farted. Weird way to cover it up. <laughs> the taps were like a half a second, and the farts were like three seconds. <laughs> the date ended ended after the ended? game. It ended. <laughs> Entered after that game. <laughs> they were from the south. It says it right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I met up. My glasses are fine now. <laughs> I met a guy from Tinder at a brewery. 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 That's really hard. Brewery. Is that right? Brewery. Brewery. That's one of those words, the more you say it, I know. it sounds so stupid. I'm just going to move on. He was clearly already intoxicated. He showed up on a street bike with a broken leg in full cast I asked what happened, and he told me his baby mama ran it over after he bashed all the windows out of her car because she was cheating. I left ten seconds later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why did it take ten seconds? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I had a great day with this guy. We spent the day on his boat, and 
then went to dinner. At dinner, he hit on the waitress, got her number, and invited her on the boat. All right in front of me with no shame. I was crushed. He invited me and a friend to play dodgeball with a group of folks I've never met. We were having an okay time. He was paying more attention to his friends, but that was fine because I had my friend to keep me occupied. We were hanging out in the parking lot before the first game was about to start, when out of nowhere he grabbed a ball and threw it at my crotch as hard as he could. This motherfucker screamed, wham bam, right in the clam. What a, what the fuck? I immediately turned to my friend and asked her if she was ready to leave. I said goodbye to him and his friends. I got home with, to a bunch of texts about how immature I was behaving. Oh, oh, okay. What the fuck? Oh my god. Oh my god, I hate people. How can you even think about texting that after what you did? I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess like negative things don't apply oh, to these guys. Oh, okay. So they can do whatever they want. And it's not immature at all. And exactly. Mm-hmm. But then when we react accordingly, uh-huh. we are immature. We're always in the wrong. Exactly. Exactly. I was on a first date with a guy who worked at my bank. We were both musicians and when went to a fun dive. Dive bar? Mm. Uh, it was a good time. Then abruptly, he said, let's go grab some fresh air. We stood outside the bar, and a car uh, with a couple of girls in it slowly drove right by us. He did this big, over-exaggerated wave. I asked him if he knew them, and he said, yeah, it's my ex and her friend. I told her to come by so she'd see me with you. Seriously? <sighs> Moron. We met on a dating app and went to dinner at the lamest restaurant ever. It was like a nursing home. He told me about every health condition he had, along with gross details. As he was eating his soup, strings of cheese kept getting stuck in his beard. He never wiped his mouth once, then burped really loudly. I excused myself after, and he asked me to taste his soup. No thanks. Ew. Oh, I excused myself after he asked me to taste his soup. Ew. Gross. Uh, We met at a restaurant for dinner and ordered a couple drinks and entrees. He ordered pasta. He began eating the noodles with his hands. Like what? pulling the spaghetti noodles up over his face and dropping them into his mouth. I was so shocked, I, I said nothing, averted my eyes, and asked for my dinner to be packed up, paid for my portion of the bill, and made an excuse to get the hell out of there. Oh, my God. Is he, God. like, two? Oh, I my even, God. I don't even think two-year-olds do that. <laughs> I, what the? I really, I, I really hope these aren't real. <laughs> you know they are. <laughs> okay. I had a first date with a girl who told me, actually, I'm engaged, but I'm not 100% sure if he's the right one, so I'm going out on a few dates to see if I change my mind. Oh, my God. Check, please. Yeah. Later, bitch. <laughs> he invited me out to dinner. I always made it a point to drive myself on first dates. When I got there, his friend was with him and did not have a date. They had obviously been there a while, as they were kind of drunk and still drinking. I sat and had a drink. They mainly spoke to each other, except to make a comment about my appearance to each other. I excused myself to the ladies' room, went to the host, and asked him to please say he never saw me leave. I left the restaurant and drove home. Thank God this was before cell phones or the internet. Oh my gosh. Next one, he spoke in baby talk. We are in our 30s. I just couldn't. (laughs) 
Yeah. Absolutely Who not. could? No, nobody. That That's ridiculous. No. We were at a Japanese restaurant on our, on our first date. She asked me my star sign, and I replied that I'm a Scorpio. She leaned over the table and slapped me clean and hard across the face. Naturally, I was shocked and confused. I mouthed, what? And she firmly said, I never date Scorpios. I went to the bathroom, and when I came back, she had gone and paid for everything. Nice. Yeah, really. (laughs) Like, sweet. Later. (laughs) Oh, my God. What the fuck? Your birthday is not in the month that I date people. What the fuck is that? That's so stupid. Okay, I had a first date where a guy worked at a shoe store, and all he did was talk about shoes and spend the entire time guessing what size feet I had. Oh, my gosh. Nope. (laughs) I had a date with a guy at a cafe. It was a nice date until he said he had the power of the god Euros. If he unleashed his power, I would sleep with him that night. I was at a loss for words and mumbled something about free will, but he didn't listen because he was so full of himself. Needless to say, he went home alone, and I never spoke to him again. What What do they think is going to happen? I, d- I don't know. When they say shit like I, that. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, legitimately, I, I don't oh, get it. Oh, that's so hot. Take me to your place right now. Yeah, really. No. That's not what happens. <laughs> I'd be like, really? I, d- I dare you. <laughs> try Let, it. Let's try. Try it. Let's see what happens. See what, let's see what happens. <laughs> I bet it's nothing. (laughs) I bet you go home alone. (laughs) I had just downloaded OkCupid, and he was my first date from it. We went to a pub, and all he did was talk about himself. I could tell he wasn't very mature, and we didn't have a lot in common. He said, let's go for a drive. I want to show you something. It didn't take me long to realize how stupid I was for getting into a stranger's car, especially when when it was getting dark, and he drove us into a deserted park area. Thankfully, he just sang badly to me in the car while I had to hide the horror from my face. (laughs) On the way back to my car, it came up that I'm vegan, and he said I wasn't skinny enough to be vegan, and that he could never date a vegan. Fine by me. (laughs) Yet he kept texting me and wanting to go out again. Okay, I'll see you later. Like, oh, shoot. Okay, bye. Uh, we went to a sushi restaurant. We were seated and looking at the menu when he, when his friend FaceTimed him. This guy actually answered at the table and proceeded to pan the camera around the restaurant and at me to show his friend that he was on a date. He then talked to him for a few minutes about something unimportant before asking what I was going to order. It's, it's bad, but it's not as bad as Yeah, somebody's. it's not as bad, but still. It's awkward, though. Yeah. Like, don't do that. I met up for tacos with a guy who told me he thought... I would be fatter. He then got mad when I wasn't offended that he called me fat. Then I asked the server to bring me the bill for half of the food. He got mad again because I wasn't letting him be a gentleman. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Holy shit, that's funny. So is it he's a gentleman every other conversation maybe every other comment he makes maybe so he calls me fat and then he wants to be a gentleman yeah okay yeah okay got it that's how it works perfect Mm -hmm. 
I had to pick him up for our date, and he complained about everything. My car, the way I drove, my music taste. Then he said, my friends really want to meet you. I need them to know you're real. And that's when I bounced. <laughs> oh, my God. Years ago, I went on a date with a guy I met on Tinder. I met him at a cafe, and he proceeded to tell me, you aren't my type, but I thought I'd meet you anyway. I just rolled my eyes and left him sitting there with my half-finished mocha. <laughs> <laughs> I drove us for a date, then started to parallel park. I'd been working and parking in San Francisco for years by then. He then said, I'll park this for you. Women don't do well at parallel parking. At dinner, he was dismissive only to the female waitstaff. I ran into these two hilariously drunk surfer dudes on my way from the bathroom, and they told me that my date was a jerk. We laughed about it, and I went back to the table. Oh, when leaving, the drunk dudes were also outside. I said bye to them, and my date, Assholio, had the nerve to bark, She's with me! I told him to wait, uh, wait while I got in the car and unlocked the doors, except I didn't. I drove off and left him standing there. <laughs> The two drunk dudes whooped and yelled, Go, lady, go! <laughs> Such an awesome finish to a terribly that embarrassing day. That is awesome. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Oh, I'm with you? Really? <laughs> Let's see about that. <laughs> and my last one, she kept talking about her ex. I asked if she wanted to get back with him. She said she didn't know and showed me a picture of him. I couldn't leave fast enough. What the hell? No. I can, I kind of understand if you're trying to get over someone, you just want to go out on a date with someone different. But, like, if you're not ready, you're not ready. And, like, don't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, don't bring it up on your date. Seriously. That's fucking rude. It is. Nobody wants, nobody cares but you. <sighs> All right. I just did scary stories. Okay. My grand... Great. Hmm. <laughs> I haven't even started yet. <laughs> My great aunt woke up in the middle of the night. She heard her dog making these low growls. She was single at the time and living alone in her ranch-style home. She walked out to her living room to check things out. She didn't see or hear anything out of the ordinary, so she decided to make sure her door and front windows were locked. Door was locked. First window she checked was locked. When she lifted the mini blind on the second window, it was wide open and a guy in a ski mask was standing there. What? She said he laughed this evil laugh and said, party time. Mm. Then he started to climb in. She screamed that she had a gun. Her dog started barking his head off. The would-be rapist decided to bolt. My aunt did get a gun after that and learned how to use it. Holy shit. That's so scary party time yeah fuck you. show you a party time <laughs> yeah just let me go get my gun yeah i'll be right back <laughs> during college i lived in an apartment with a community pool there were a bunch of us having beers at the pool one night over summer term and one of my friends ran to jump in the pool but changed his mind at the last second this one kind of sounded familiar to me his feet slipped out from under him on the wet concrete and he went down he broke his neck <gasps> in the edge of the pool, never walked again, and had extremely limited upper body function. Oh my god! I watched someone's life be ruined, and it was terrifying. Listen to the gar lifeguard and walk. Oh my god! That sound familiar to you? No. Oh, okay. I had a guy tell me a story a couple decades ago about how he was hiking in an area in South America and wandered away from other hikers in the area. 
The ground was wet, and without warning, it gave away, and he got sucked into a fast-moving underground river, pitch black, completely submerged, and at the mercy of the current as it buffeted him... Is that how you say that? I guess. ...against the sides of the tunnel. After some time, the current subsided, and he realized he was in a larger pocket, still pitch black and submerged. He said that even as he struggled to hold his breath, he didn't panic and realize... He didn't panic and realized that the water had to keep moving somewhere, so he moved around until he found another tunnel that sucked him in. At one point, he began to see light, so he punched upwards, broke through the ground, and pulled himself out, soaking wet, gasping for air, and a bit of a distance from the other dry hikers, who were somewhat bewildered when he, they saw him <laughs> straggling up to them. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! That's crazy! crazy. Then he just joins and like, what's up? All dirty and shit. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I thought I'd take a shortcut. <laughs> I grew up with a very mentally ill and abusive father. The summer I was 16 and my younger brother was 13, my father shot my brother with a shotgun at almost point blank range <gasps> in our basement. Oh my God. Thankfully, it missed his heart by two inches and he is still alive today. I came home that evening to find my stepmother cleaning the blood off the tile floor like there was nothing to see. Ugh. It was the most terrifying and surreal thing I've ever experienced. One would believe attempted murder would be enough to terminate custody rights, but yeah. the police chalked it up to accidental, and my brother and I were too frightened of our father to say otherwise. Oh my God. At 18 and 15, respectively, my brother and I packed up and left the state never to speak to our father again. To this day, little bits of shrapnel still surface in my brother's chest. Oh my gosh. That's fucked up. Yeah, it is. One of my best friends growing up had an aunt that was the sweetest, most generous woman you could possibly know. She started dating a man that fell in love with her because of how sweet and kind she was. After a month or so of being together, he accused her of being too nice to other people, so he bludgeoned her until she was unconscious and cut her heart out of her chest while she was still alive. He thought that it was the worst example of sheer disrespect that she would exhibit kindness towards other people when she was in a committed relationship. He believed he owned all of the good she had to give, and being and by being nice to people that weren't him, she may as well have been cheating with the whole town. He killed her for being the person he knew her to be when they started dating. The fact people like him exist is terrifying to me. Yeah. That is beyond fucked up. Yeah. The co-pilot locked himself in the cockpit and set the airplane for a slow descent into the French Alps. What? For 10 minutes, the crew desperately tried to get back into the cockpit, but in this post-9-11 world, the door was designed to withstand assault. Oh my God. Did not fail. This was a daytime flight. Passengers knew what was happening. They could see the mountains getting closer out the windows. Oh my God. This wasn't a quick, what's that, oh my God, out... This was long, drawn-out realization of what was coming, and the end was inevitable. Oh, my God. What? That's horrible. Horrible. Oh, my gosh. When was that? I don't know. Had to have been the last 20 years, I guess. Yeah, it was after 9-11. Wow. Oh, my God. That's terrifying. Why would someone do that? Like, if you're going to kill yourself, great. Yeah, fucking kill yourself. Yeah. Don't take people with you. Don't take a bunch of innocent... Oh, my God. That is fucked up. Why would anyone do that? Unreal. People are fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I live next to a murderer. 
Faye Swetlick was six years old when she was kidnapped out of her front yard. It was all over the news. I had news crews, cops, even the FBI all over my townhouse complex. My fiancé and I met with the FBI three times. They searched our home and everything. I remember clear as day my fiancé FaceTimed me as the cops were digging through the trash cans directly in front of my townhouse. They pulled out her boot and a bloody knife. Then they found her body dumped maybe 300 feet from my house. Oh my god. He had watched them find the murder weapon. Dumbass had put it in a trash bag along with his other mail. He went to his back porch and opened his own throat. It's crazy. I had conversations with the guy. I never knew he was a psycho. This all happened a year ago. Wow. Which means you never fucking know. You don't. Oh my god. You never know a person. Don't. You don't. Oh my god. A woman who went to my regular pub was out with her friend during the day, and in the evening she missed a bus home and ended up in another pub. She was tipsy and ended up going home with a man who lived with another male. They both had an obsession with serial killers and murdered her, and after they killed her, they chopped her body up. They spent the next week putting her body in plastic bags and hiding them in bushes, etc. They were caught pretty quickly and thankfully are in prison for life. The day she went missing, I saw her in the pub with her friend and stood in the smoking area with her laughing about a pigeon who was chilling, too. (laughs) I have a video where she is in it, and she makes a joke just hours before her death. Oh, my God. I think about her nearly every day. It's something that is sort of traumatizing, and she did not deserve such a cruel ending to her life. Oh, my God. These are pretty much downers. Yeah, dark. (laughs) (laughs) A good friend died of a brain aneurysm, one of the hardest working and smartest people I've known. She got a vet degree, got married, and had a kid, and three months later, her husband found her unconscious on the floor when he got home. She never woke up. Oh, my God. As a father of two, I think about that a lot. It's horrible. Three months later. <sighs> horrible. Like, I, that's one of my big, like, what the fuck is that? Like, an aneurysm? Oh. Just, like, one of, uh, one of Eric's friends... Ended up having an aneurysm one day. Really? He he survived, but he wasn't quite the same mm. afterwards. What the fuck? Yeah. It was crazy. I guess he he was just up doing his regular thing, and all of a sudden, his wife found him, I think. Or no, he was telling her that he, he didn't feel right or something. Oh my gosh. And yeah, it was crazy. That's scary. When I was seven, I was raking rocks in my aunt's front yard, and a beat-up pickup truck pulled up. The man got out, fiddled with something under the hood, and then closed it. He asked me, Hey, kid, do you know how to pop a clutch? Spending my childhood on a farm, I did indeed know how. Yes, I responded. Give me a hand real quick, he said. So I started walking towards his truck. At the last second, my mom called out to me from the garage, and I turned around to see what she wanted. I heard the door slam, the truck start, and he drove away. <gasps> no! That memory never really came up until one day, about 30 years later, I jump up after laying down to go to bed, when out of no me- nowhere, it came back and it hit me. This guy was trying to kidnap me. Oh my what the God. fuck? Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. What bullet did I dodge? I mean, <sighs> you ever have a memory come back and you get scared? I mean, scared over the memory? I was shaking for at least a half hour over it. It still freaks me out thinking about it. Holy shit. Oh my gosh, that just proves that when you're a kid, you do not think things like oh, you no. just we don't. seven. No, yeah, I mean, I mean. It's a baby. Oh They're not going to think about shit like that. 
Oh my gosh. That's why my child was never yeah. out of my sight. Yeah, never. <laughs> oh my god, it's so scary. I mean, he had to go to college to get out of my sight. <laughs> now uh. I never see him or hear from him. Or you know. I wonder why. <laughs> no, he called me the other day. <laughs> day before yesterday. I love him. Yes, he does. A woman I worked with a few years ago told me how her life had changed drastically when she went from having a decent job to becoming an alcoholic and working as a cleaner. She had planned to move to Spain with her husband and young daughter and had a great job lined up out there. The plan was her husband and daughter would fly over first and she would fly over a week or two later due to finishing her old job a little later than planned. Her husband rang her... On the day he arrived and said the house was lovely and the furniture had arrived by ferry, etc. That was the last time she ever heard from him. Her husband and daughter was found dead by authorities a few days after she rang, explaining she was concerned with their welfare, as she had had no contact with them and she was extremely worried. It was carbon monoxide poisoning. (gasps) It was so scary to think how fast your life can change. Horrible. I got goosebumps. That is horrible. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I mean, would you like at that point? Would you be grateful you didn't go, or what? Like, I don't oh my know. God, that's I don't know. horrible. I would start drinking too. Jesus. Yeah. Ugh. My mother's friend left her abusive husband. My mother met her while working at a woman's shelter. They were really close, and my mother fought so hard to get her somewhere safe. They did everything right. She helped her file divorce papers, and then one morning, my mom can't get her on the phone. But they'd had plans to meet for lunch, and she checks the newspaper, and she calls in sick to work, which she never did, and she sat me down in tears and told me what happened. Her friend was home with her son when her ex broke in. He killed her and left the baby there in his mother's blood, and then he hung himself outside of Rayleigh's. Last I heard, their almost two-year-old went to live with his uncle. I can't imagine how terrifying it was for the baby to cry to himself. In his mother's blood for the almost two days until he was found. Oh, my God. Horrible. There's some nuts. Yeah. Nutty people out there. Yeah, there is. Best friend's parents were out of town one weekend, and she had the house to herself. Went about her business having dinner, watching TV, then decided to go to bed. She was lying in her bed with her back to the closet when she heard the door open. No. She somehow pretended to be asleep. The man who was hiding in her the closet walked around her bed to the side she was laying on gently stroked her hair and face then left she immediately called her boyfriend to ask him to come over then called her parents and then the police long story short this man had been getting into their home via a doggy door they didn't have a dog and didn't bother to secure it and he'd been living in a tent in the forestry foresty area behind their home for months to creep on her They found a ton of surveillance footage of her sleeping and pieces of her clothes and stuff. Ew, no. Creepy. Poor thing to have to come across that when she was alone. Oh, God. It's horrible. My dad worked in a morgue during college in the 60s. One time on the night shift, he was training a recent hire who was wheeling a body down the hallway. The body was under a sheet, but all of a sudden started to sit up. No. The guy immediately freaked out, ran out the doors, and quit. Apparently, <laughs> a dead body can have muscle contractions in oh, the abs, shit. causing it to start sitting up. No! 
I would have been out of there too. Fuck yeah. No way. I would stick around. Oh my god. Okay, this is going to be Okay. He was a shoemaker who lived in Morocco in the late 19th and early 20th century. He and his accomplice, a 70-year-old woman called Anna, used to drug and kill young women who came to the shop. Eventually, one of the victim's parents traced her movements to the shop, and after the remains of 36 mutilated corpses were discovered nearby, Miss Fuey and Anna were questioned and tortured. Oh my god. Anna didn't survive, but Miss Fuey <laughs> confessed, to, <laughs> confessed to murdering them, usually for a tiny amount of money. His initial sentence was crucifixion, a very unusual punishment even then. However, <laughs> there were many protests from powerful foreign embassies, and Morocco couldn't do much against them. Instead, he was sentenced to beheading, a more common punishment. However, the mood in Maroc- Marrakesh was that this was far too lenient, so they send- settled on immurement, being walled up alive. Oh my god. A special cell was constructed. I need to go back up first. Hold on a second. I didn't know I needed to tell you this. Until I started talking. <laughs> uh says everything to do with Had Mahad Misfui. Okay. Had Haj Mahad Muhammad. Okay. <laughs> Something like that. A special cell was constructed in the wall of the bazaar, about two by two by six feet. Chains were attached to one wall to ensure he would be kept standing. Miss Fuey, (laughs) I'm probably saying that wrong, but it still sounds weird. He wasn't told of his fate until the morning of his execution when he was led screaming in chains and slowly bricked up inside. Once the last course had been laid, the crowd would fall silent until he started screaming when they would cheer. He screamed nearly constantly for two days. On the third day, he fell silent. They would start cheering when he would start screaming? Yeah. Oh, my God. James Bolgar? Bolger? Bolger? He was just two years old, and when his mom... And with his mom running errands, she let go of his hand to pay the cashier, and he wandered away. Two ten-year-old boys spotted him, lured him toward them, took him by the hands, and led him away. I've, I've heard yeah, this before. seen the picture. Yeah, they got security footage of that. Horrible. They took him to a remote location, pushing and kicking at him the whole time. Some people questioned the two kids with the crying toddler, but they lied, saying he was their brother, and nobody intervened further. They took him to a secluded spot and tortured him. I don't want to recount the torture details. It's just too gruesome. They left his body on some railroad tracks, hoping that being run over by a train would make it look like an accident. He was found days later, his body severed in half by a train. Oh my god. The boys were caught and became the youngest convicted murderers in British history. Security footage from the day they took James shows them watching children, picking out a target, and they were just kids themselves. What the fuck? They were released at 18. One of them is back in jail for possessing child... Uh, they were released at 18. One of them is back in jail for possessing child abuse photos on his computer. Mm. The most terrifying thing about this for me is that my own son is only two now, and James 
murderers were just children too. It was premeditated and intentional and entirely random. Just a mo momentary lapse in attention and he became a target of two murderous children. To think that children younger than my stepson are capable of such a thing. Everything about this case is just horrifying. Was that all on that one? Yeah. Are you done? Mm -mm. Oh. Well, I I heard that he did, he okay, the little boy was 6 years old and the other kids were 10, is mm -hmm. that right? I think so. Um I thought he was 2. I don't know if he was that young. Maybe he was. Yeah, he was 2. Two. Two. Oh my gosh. Well, anyway, I heard that he went up because there were, you know how they used to have like, um, which they might still, I don't know, but they have like game consoles set up so you can like play the game in stores, mm -hmm. you know, and he walked up to those kids because they were playing the game and they started getting rowdy. So the security guard kicked them all out, all of like all three of them, mm -hmm. even though this little baby wasn't you know, involved, mm -hmm. he kicked him out. And that's when they just decided to go ahead and walk away with him. But two, I mean, I don't want to victim blame whatsoever. I know. But how, how do you lose a two-year-old? How, how do you not, like, I, it happens, I guess. I can't, I can't judge because I'm I sure. I will say they are quick. Yeah. But I don't think, I don't think... Peyton was ever out of my sight. No, I if, if they let go of my hand, I would immediately turn around and be like, "What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Where are you going? Yeah. You're staying right here. Mm -hmm. You don't walk away. Period." Yeah, that's oh my god. That's pro probably because we know stories like this. I know, I know. And this was what in the eighties. I don't think it said, but yeah, it was a while ago, and things were a lot different back then. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I grew up in a funeral home. I hel helped out in the office. When I was about 15, we got a call from a man whose wife and infant baby had been murdered in cold blood. There were very few clues. It made headlines. Cops set up surveillance at the viewing. It was heartbreaking as the mother was holding the baby in her arms. Oh, my God. I was asked to take the flower cards and periodically got the husband and asked if he recognized the names. I then photocopied them and put them back. I did it because I was a kid. People knew me, and I was unobtrusive. I talked to the husband and quite a. I, I talked to the husband quite a bit. He seemed devastated and shaken. The cops told me they had an eyewitness to someone leaving the house the day of the murder. The witness was a three-year-old girl. She recogni recognized the man leaving. It was the husband's best friend. Whoa! Turns out that the friend and the husband had made a pact to kill each other's families and run off with their secretaries. What? The little girl identified the friend, and I guess one of them cracked. They both went to jail on multiple counts, all on the testimony of a three-year-old. I still cannot <laughs> believe to this day that that man stood right beside me multiple times, and I had no clue. I don't think I ever lo looked at life the same way after that. Holy shit. Yeah, that's traumatizing. And fuck yes, little girl. Yeah, really. Fuck yes, little girl. That's so awesome. I can... Guarantee I was not that observant when Absolutely I was Absolutely not. I'm not that observant now. And you're like, I'm going to leave my hand in front of my face. <laughs> that was me at three. Guaranteed. <laughs> I wish you guys could have seen that. That was great. <laughs> Do it again. No! <laughs> 
Was that it? Yep. Oh, okay. I'm done. <laughs> okay. Great end to end your story. <clears throat> okay, so I have alien abduction stories that will fuck you up. Mm. Now, some of these we know, we've talked about them before, um, but some of them are like personal tales. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Amy Rylance, then 22, her husband Keith and her friend Petra were at the Rylance's home in Australia in October 2001. Petra was awoken at 11 p.m., 11.15 p.m., and went into the living room where she was horrified to find Amy being carried in a sleeping position out through the window on a beam of light to a, quote, huge ship outside. Oh, God. Petra woke Keith. By the time he entered the room, Amy was gone. The curtain was torn, and the bushes outside were burnt. The pair phoned the police, who struggled to take the claim seriously. (laughs) However, around 90 minutes later, Keith received a phone call from a woman in McKay, Queensland, an eight-hour drive from uh, Gundaya, which is where they were in Australia. So eight hours away. Mm-hmm. She said she was with Amy, who was in hospital, dazed and dehydrated. No one could explain how she had traveled such a distance in, a short, in such a short time. Amy was uninjured, except for red marks on her upper thighs and heels, She said she remembered lying in a bed with tall figures leaning over her, reassuring her, and taking samples from her. When she was found, her body hair had grown considerably, suggesting that she had had been gone for much longer than a few short hours that she was missing. Ooh, weird. Oh, my gosh. How? That means they have to time travel. Yeah. They took her for a long time, and then she ended up somewhere crazy at like the same time mm-hmm. oh my god next one jesse long was just five years old when he says he was abducted by aliens for the first time he was exploring the woods with his brother when they came upon a round structure in a clearing a tall figure appeared and paralyzed the boys jesse remembers being taken into the craft and placed on a cold table he could feel the figures around him quote poking and prodding his legs Over the next few years, Jesse said he was abducted repeatedly. He claims he was experimented on, including having sperm extracted that was used to, quote, crossbreed with a female alien. In 1990, he says the aliens presented him with a baby, which he said, which they said was his. He also met nine more of his hybrid children. Jesse, now 65, says he knows many people won't believe his story, but he insists he's telling the truth. Well, my thing is, how old was he when he was first abducted? Five? Yep, five years old the first time. So, I'm sure a five-year-old hasn't heard alien abduction stories yet. No. So, where did he get it from if he wasn't telling the truth? Yeah. Yeah. That's just weird. Yeah. So scary. Okay, next one is Betty and Barney Hill. They were driving back from a holiday in Niagara Falls in September 1961. They noticed a light in the sky which got closer, eventually appearing as a huge shape hovering above their car. Barney got out and through his binoculars says he saw 11 humanoid figures in shiny black uniforms and capes watching them. Terrified, the couple drove off. However, they both claim they have experienced a buzzing sensation, and when they finally arrived home at dawn, the four-hour journey had taken seven hours. The hill's clothes were torn in strange places, and Betty found a mysterious pink powder on her dress. 
she began having intense dreams about the experience in which skin samples were taken from her and a needle thrust into her navel. Later, she drew a star map, which she said she, she had been shown by the aliens. Betty and Barney Hill were respected in their community. Barney was involved in civil rights movement and Betty was a social worker. No one had any reason to, to suspect they were lying. Next one, in October 1957, a Brazilian farmer named Antonio Villas Boas saw a red star in the sky. The light got closer until Boas could make out a spaceship, which landed on three long legs in his field. He tried to escape on his tractor. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's really funny visual. <laughs> probably could have run faster. I know, right? Oh, <laughs> he's probably so scared. <laughs> but was grabbed by a small humanoid with blue eyes. So yeah, he could have ran faster. <laughs> if a small humanoid could catch up with you, you need to get off the tractor. <laughs> taken aboard a ship and covered in a gel-like substance. He was then forced to have intercourse with a female creature with bright red pubic hair uh, so as to produce a human-alien hybrid to be raised by the aliens. Boas was eventually escorted from the ship and arrived back on Earth four hours later. He had burns on his body, nausea, legions, and headaches, and a doctor diagnosed him as suffering from radiation sickness. Boas later trained to become a lawyer and stuck to his story his entire life. Next one is Travis Walton. In November 1975, six forestry workers in Arizona reported seeing their colleague Travis Walton blasted through the air in a beam of light from a UFO above the trees. The workers reported Walton missing and police suspected he had been murdered by the group who had disposed of his body. But five days later, Walton reappeared, claiming he had been abducted by aliens he described walking, waking on a table surrounded by small figures in orange gowns. Their skin was smooth and chalky, and their bald heads were too large for their body. They had huge, shiny brown eyes. Walton escaped from the aliens and fled through the ship. He eventually met more humans on board, dressed in blue uniforms. They didn't speak to him, but forced a gas mask on his face, so he lost consciousness. Walton claims the next thing he remembers was waking up shaky and confused on a roadside in Arizona. Those weren't humans. Those were hybrids. Yeah, something. And they're like, here, it's okay. Put this on your face. <laughs> we look like you. It's all right. You can trust us. Uh, this one was the earliest reported alien encounter. One of the earliest reported alien encounters. It was written up in the Stockton Evening Mail in 1896. Colonel H.G. Shaw was traveling with a companion by horse and carriage toward Lodi in California. Suddenly, their horses startled, and they saw three strange beings at the side of the road. The creatures were slender and humanoid in appearance, but seven feet tall and bald, except for a velvet-soft down that covered their bodies. They didn't speak, but warbled to one another as, they, as if they were chanting, they held lamps that shone unnaturally brightly and seemed to be formed from some sort of glowing material. Shaw said the creatures possessed a strange and indescribable beauty. 
The aliens attempted to lift Shaw, but he felt that they wanted to, and felt, he felt they wanted to carry him away, but he was too heavy for them. Eventually, they moved away, floating just above the ground. Shaw followed them until they reached a huge cigar-shaped spaceship in the air. The creatures flew up to it, uh, disappearing inside a door, and the ship departed and was soon lost from sight. So they didn't get him because he was just too damn fat. You're too heavy. <laughs> what happened to their beam of light? I don't know. Maybe it's broken. <laughs> maybe like, oh shit, we got to carry him. <laughs> Let's go, guys. You can do it. <laughs> and they must not have invented it yet. And then after this Oh, time, yeah, it was 1896. Yeah, so after that, they're like, shit, we need to come okay. up with something. Yeah, we, we need to get something to help us carry these fat asses. <laughs> These humans are getting big. <laughs> well, that'd be so sad. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, next one. Hillary Porter from Wales claimed to have been abducted by aliens countless times through her life. Another five-year-old. Mm. At five years old, she remembers playing in the long grass behind her home. A reptilian alien appeared. It had scaly skin and black holes for a nose and a mouth. It was five feet tall and exceptionally strong. It grabbed Hillary and carried her onto a disc-shaped ship. Porter was stripped and placed on a bed, then prodded with various instruments. At that point, she said she blacked out. Years later, while driving with her husband, she says their car suddenly pulled up at a garage, and they both had no memory of how they got there. When she undressed later that day, she had a triangular red suction mark on her stomach. After all her abductions, Porter suffers piercing migraines, and she has sometimes woken with bruises, scratches, and even bloodstains on her clothes. Porter, who once worked at the Ministry of Defense, has made drawings based on memories of her alien encounters. She says the beings communicate with each other telepathically and have been sent to extract human genetic material on Earth. Hmm. One night in February 1988, Peter... Corey was asleep in bed when he felt something grab him by the ankles. He experienced pins and needles through his body and was paralyzed. He saw three beings around his bed. They were gold with slits for mouths and large black eyes. Corey said he was aware of the creatures. He was aware the creatures communicated telepathically. They inserted a needle into his head and he blacked out. Corey's second alien encounter was more disturbing. During this one, female aliens with long white blonde hair came to his bed and engaged with him sexually. After the encounter, he found long blonde hair tied around his penis. Eh. It was a little souvenir. <laughs> Something to remember me by. Corey claims that the, signif- the uh, subsequent DNA analysis found the hair was biologically different to human hair, and he is certain his encounter was with an extraterrestrial life form. Okay, and now these are um, just people with encounters. Uh, First time I've ever tried to write this down. First time telling to anyone outside my family. I'm leaving out time and location and other details because I'm still scared of what might happen with it publicly. Summer before 8th grade, me and two friends snuck out at midnight to go walk around the neighborhood to see these girls on the next block who are having a sleepover. We turn a corner in our neighborhood and there's a huge black blimp-shaped thing in the sky. Like the pictures of the Hindenburg, but bigger than that and as close, if not closer. Completely silent and the size of at least four to five football fields across. No exaggeration, even though I was young. 
We stare at it, entranced, asking each other over and over again if we see it, which we all agree that we do, standing there frozen in one, one place. It's like black polished gunmetal, no lights, no sound, no anything. It's just hovering there. Then I don't know what happened, but time clearly jumps. Next thing I remember is the craft ship government experiment, whatever the hell it is, is gone and there's a tiny glowing white barbell thing in the sky, seemingly slowly falling to earth with uh, wisps of smoke coming off of it. Then two brand new black trucks with silver gearboxes on the back, like F-150s, but nicer, came speeding down the street, going about 70 in a residential 25 mile per hour neighborhood. Then after that, I remember walking home with one of my friend, to one of my friend's houses and going to bed. At that point, it was like 5 or 6 a.m. and the sun was coming up. We all made a promise to tell my dad in the morning because he worked for the city, but we never did. I don't know what happened later in life to one of my friends who was there, but the other one was my best friend, and we sort of made an unspoken pact never to talk about it. I don't know how or why we did that. We all grew up, and I sort of lost touch with him, too. We did reconnect over Facebook and such over, year, over the years, but it was like there was something between us neither of us wanted to touch or talk about. Looking back on it now, there's no way we could have been the only ones to see it. It wasn't that late at night, and it was over a heavily populated suburb of a major city. The idea of this has always scared me more than any sort of possible abduction scenario, that there were others and were all voluntarily suffering from some sort of collective amnesia, except in how we're not. I've thought about hypnosis, but that scares me too. Plus, I'm not sure if I'd trust the results. I was just a kid then, and I'm not sure if I could trust the hypnosis. Hypnotist. <laughs> what I do know, again, is that there's no way that it was just three of us who saw it. We're talking a huge thing hovering in the sky directly above hundreds of houses just after midnight on a summer weekend night. But nothing on the news, nothing in the paper, nothing on TV, no spoken words about it, again, ever by anyone. It's a true story, but I'm a little older than the average around here, I think, but I know what creepypasta and stuff like that is. This happened, and there's no way I'm the only one who remembers. No way. You see, that's, that's kind of subjective, too, because we've heard of things like um, above the, um, what's that ranch? Oh, Skinwalker Ranch? Yeah, Skinwalker Ranch, where he said that he would see it, and then he would, like, drive down, and it would disappear, because yeah. it was like a one-dimensional thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you could only be standing in one spot and see it. Yeah. So they can do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. So if they want three little kids to see it, yeah, three little kids will see it. Creepy. My mom tells a story of her and her friend, let's call her friend Lisa, when my mom and Lisa were teenagers, they were up on the roof of Lisa's house, and they saw a bright light in the sky. Next thing they know, the light is gone. Thing is, they think they've been on the roof for like 15 minutes, but something like three hours had passed. Mom doesn't remember anything about what happened during that time, and Lisa simply refuses to talk about it. She would answer my mom with things like, I don't know, and just drop it for a long time. So a couple months later, my mom moves away and loses contact with Lisa for about 10 years. She finally meets up with her again and immediately notices that something is odd about Lisa. Lisa appeared very distant to her in a very 
with a very dreamy demeanor, like she was really happy and at peace for no good reason. After they talk for a bit, Lisa brings up the incident on the roof. Mom says she still doesn't really remember anything about it, but Lisa remembers. She remembers everything. She said that at first it was all in bits and pieces and she couldn't remember any of it clearly. She was confused and scared and wanted to avoid discussing it. Then, as time passed, she began to remember more of it. She remembers it all clearly and she remembers the other three times she was abducted after that clearly as well. At first, they paralyzed her somehow and did all sorts of invasive experiments on her, but by the most recent time, they stopped probing her and began to talk with her. They didn't speak English or any other human language, but she could understand everything they said, even though she can't speak their language herself. Apparently, they told her all sorts of things, stuff about space, Earth itself, and most shockingly, predicted years beforehand that she would get pregnant in a specific year, and it would be also a stillborn, and that she would never be able to have children again. They also told her that it was not their fault, and they even made an attempt to save her from this fate, but they were unsuccessful. They also told her that they had abducted my mother. Another time after that first incident, mom said she had no recollection of any other potential abductions, but she does have reoccurring nightmares of being abducted that she's almost sure that they're not just nightmares. Anyway, Lisa tells mom that every time she speaks with them, she comes to understand the truth more and more. When mom require, inquires what the truth is, Lisa just says that you'll know eventually, and she says that once she learned about the truth, then everything became wonderful. Mom has seen her a few more times over the years. We still live in another state from her, and apparently she has a pretty normal life and doesn't like obsess over alien stuff. She only ever brings it up in passing, not like it's a central part of her daily life. Next one, I can't say for sure what happened to me that night, but there, uh, but here is what I know. I was driving home for the weekend from school at Indiana University. It takes me about <laughs> it takes me about two hours to get home, and I left Bloomington around 10 p.m. At exactly 10:53, I am on a rural stretch of a two-lane highway. I take home, and I notice what appeared to be it's the flash same one. I know it is. You don't know that. Yes, I do. <laughs> I noticed what appeared to be flashing lights behind me. I thought, great, I'm getting pulled over. So I turned onto the next country road about a quarter mile from where I noticed the lights. As the car came to a stop and I started opening my glove box to get out my registration and proof of insurance, the lights suddenly disappeared and no car drove past. Now here is where the story takes a turn for the weird. And I'm sure you guys will think I'm just making all this up because it really does seem like something straight out of a typical UFO movie. The electronics in my car started to go haywire. The radio was randomly changing station while the volume kept going up and down while the dome light headlights, headlights started to flicker and turn off and back on. This was at 10.56 p.m. I start thinking to myself that my battery must be failing or else I might have a short somewhere in my electric system of my car so I lean down to pop the hood so I can take a look at the battery, and that is the last thing I remember doing. The next thing I know, I open my eyes and see nothing but the night full of bright stars. It was a cold night, and it seemed like I had never seen stars that bright in my life. I sat up and looked around, and I saw absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. 
I was in the middle of a field, surrounded by corn stalks left over from a recent harvest. As I started to come to my senses, I start to freak out. Where am I? Why the fuck am I asleep in the middle of a field? Where the fuck is my car? I got up and started walking toward the distant headlights I could see from the road about a half a mile away. When I got to the nearest intersection, I look at the signs which read 350 North and 50 West. I was a half a mile away from my car, which was right off the main road. I started walking toward the headlights I could see on the main road. I can't say how long it took me to walk half a mile, but it couldn't have been more than 10 or 15 minutes. When I arrived at my car, all the lights were out. My battery had died, which struck me as odd because I couldn't have been gone for that long. I looked at my phone, which was sitting in the passenger seat, and the time was 2.17 a.m. Over three hours had passed since I turned off onto the side of the road for the flashing lights behind me. I remember sitting in my car completely dumbfounded, wondering what the hell had just happened to me. After about a half an hour of just sitting there, I remembered that my battery was dead, so I got out my phone and called AAA to come out to give me a jump. It took about an hour for them to get out to me since I was a good distance away from the nearest town, during which time I sat in silence, running through the possible scenarios in my head concerning what had just happened. To this day, I couldn't tell you what really happened to me that night. All I know is I can't think of any plausible explanation as to why I woke up over a half a mile away from my car in the middle of a cornfield more than three hours after I had stopped. I have only shared the story with one other person, my uncle. I am sure people would either look at me like I'm crazy or they would call bullshit on the whole story. I can't blame them. If somebody came to me with that story, I so that so closely mirrors the stereotypical encounter story, I probably wouldn't believe them either. I can't drive to IU again. Well, neither uh, Peyton can either. No. And he can't drive home, so... No. Mm. He has to live there forever. Do <laughs> <laughs> you imagine calling him, you can't come here. No. <laughs> You're like, what, what? Imagine the eye rolls I would get. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I had something similar, less extreme happen to me once. I tend to forget about it until people bring up their alien abduction stories, and then it jogs my memory. But I was driving home from a long road trip one time, as was way out in the country. I live near a city, so any time I get a chance to see the stars, I take advantage. I was in the car and had been trying to stare up at the sky through the front windshield rather unsuccessfully. I pulled off to the side of the road and got out of my car to get a good look. I spent maybe three minutes leaning there against the fences, just enjoying the country air and night sky, then went back and got in my car. I start, it started up, and I was about to drive off when I remember feeling an overwhelming sense of dread. There's no way to describe it except for that I felt panic, like something was wrong, and it washed over me in a wave that lasted maybe two or three seconds, then it was gone. I wasn't sure what to think until I looked over at the clock. I had been keeping an eye on it, knowing how long it would take to get back to the city, and knowing what time my arrival would be when I got there, being the days before iPhone and GPS. Twenty minutes had gone by since I had gotten back in the car. I didn't remember any of it. I thought I had been sitting there for about six seconds, but somehow twenty minutes had passed. Anyway, I drove back and didn't really think much about it again, but I still wonder sometimes what happened. Hmm. Even that, that's so fucking weird. Yeah. That would drive me insane. Me too. This is my last one. As a consequence of this not being my story, it's my dad's, I can't insist that I know what I saw and all that. All I can tell you is that I believe him and he has no reason to lie to me. My dad has over a dozen stories like this. 
He grew up in rural Illinois near a woodsy area. UFO activity was apparently high back then. I don't know if it was just my family or the whole area, but my dad and grandpa would sit on the porch and watch lights fly around the sky for fun. This was a long time ago when my dad was a kid. He's in his 60s now. They would watch the stars dart around like laser lights and laugh about it. Shit's mind-boggling to me now. I've only seen that kind of thing happen once or twice, and it freaked me out. Besides that, a bunch of other weird shit would happen to my dad. Some of it is pretty similar to the stuff described in usual alien abduction stories. Um, isolated earthquake earthquakes that nobody else felt. Bright orbs floating around the sky and following him around. It's been a while since he told me these stories, but one of the... One of the particularly weird ones has always stuck with me. I'm completely aware that it sounds like my dad is just fucking with me, and trust me, I'd prefer to believe that. But I have good reasons to trust him. For starters, he's never lied to me about anything else. He wasn't the type of person to make shit up for show. He also had absolutely nothing to gain from making this shit up. He never tried to publish it or even write it down. He would just talk about it sometimes. So my dad was in his teens, and a weird UF and weird UFO shit had been happening his whole life at this point. He's out in the driveway for whatever reason, doing whatever people do when they live in a woodsy rural area. His parents aren't home; they're out shopping, at work, whatever. Suddenly, this big car, big black car, pulls into his driveway. Tinted windows, completely black. My dad just kind of watches it pull in, not sure what to think. So, something to remember to remember here: not only is this a rural area. But it's 50 years ago. People were a lot more trusting back then. Nowadays, you'd be crazy to leave your front door unlocked, but then, but back then it was no big deal. So the strange black car pulls into my dad's driveway. It's making no noise at all, which my dad noticed right away. The door opens, and out steps a super tall, fair-faced white man. He has blonde hair, an extremely well-tailored black suit, and black sunglasses on. Right away, my dad could see there was something off about him. He looks too perfect. Flawless skin and childlike smile, and very overdressed for a hot summer day. He looks distinctly out of place. The man walks up to my dad and asks for his name. My dad, around 15 at the time, asks him why he wants to know. The man smiles and explains that he just wants to ask him a few questions and means no harm. Bemused, my dad agrees, but he's still wary of the strange man. First, the tall white dude asks my dad if he lives here. My dad says yes and asks why he wants to know. The man has completely relaxed, non-confrontational tone and seems almost giddy, like he's really excited to be having this conversation. His childish, overzealous grin hadn't faded in the least. He asked my dad if he had seen, felt, or heard anything that he felt was outside of the ordinary. My dad said sometimes, and again asked why he wanted to know. The man kept grinning, and by now my dad is feeling pretty, pretty comfortable and had never seen this guy before in his life. He didn't appear to be any kind of government agent. His behavior was far too unusual. Suddenly, the man's demeanor completely changes. His grin disappears, and he looks worried. Without so much as a goodbye, he opens the car door, gets inside, and drives away, still making no noise at all. A couple minutes later, my dad's parents come back from shopping. Now for the really weird part. My mom saw the same fucking dude 30 fucking years later. She was in a bookstore looking to buy something. Un, uh, don't know the details, really. When she turned around, she noticed this tall, fair-looking blonde guy in a black suit sitting at a table in a cafe 30 feet from her. He was reading a newspaper. Sitting across from him was another dude, dressed exactly the same as the blonde one. 
They looked perfect. They looked strangely out of place, somehow too perfect, too clean. Now, my mom had heard this story from my dad before, and she actually recognized my dad's description of this man. He definitely stood out. So she's kind of taken aback, figuring, uh, trying to figure out if it's actually the man my dad had seen all those years ago. The blonde guy notices my mom looking at him. Again, his deme demeanor completely changes. He stands up, turns around, and quickly walks out of the bookstore with the second guy right behind him. What the fuck, right? I'm actually freaking out a bit thinking about this. I'm 22 now, and I have to wonder if I'm going to run into this awkward blonde stalker. It's like the MIB sent their most inept agent to follow my dad around, or most obvious alien ever is trying to study my family in our natural habitat. I don't fucking know. All I know is it's very, it's all very vague. I'm going to bring it up to my dad tonight to try and clarify a few details. I'll be honest, I've pushed this story out of my head because it weirds me out. <laughs> That's hilarious. Those are my, I love the aliens that don't know what they're doing. And they're just like, oh, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> Alright, it's time for the witty wrap-up. Yay, witty wrap-up. I'm sure you know what I'm gonna do. What? No. What are you doing? <laughs> Before you buy your kid a toy that plays a cute little song, ask yourself... Do I want to have that cute little song stuck in my head forever? Yeah. Forever. Forever. You know what? When Taryn was like little, little, like little, she would make up these songs and they would get stuck in my head. Like these little baby songs that she would just make up. Like she would just, I'm going down the stairs, you know, like yeah. something nothing to do with anything and it would get stuck in my head for days I'm like, what the fuck she's got some magical power and she makes up these songs that get immediately stuck in your head she should be uh she when she goes to college she should try to be uh what's a the people that make the ads for oh products. yeah like jingle writers yeah she doesn't do that anymore but yeah when she was like three she would have rocked at that <laughs> seriously <laughs> those things would get stuck in your head yeah i can't believe it's 2022 and i'm sequestered at home exactly like i was in 2020 except now i have two kids because i'm an idiot <laughs> oh shit my daughter calls Netflix, Netflix. Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> no one. My eight-year-old on the 3rd of January. So what are we doing for Halloween? Mm. Um, that's me. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Because Halloween is the best. Yes, it is. The funny part about temporarily being in a wheelchair is how my five-year-old keeps telling me she's going to push me in my stroller. <laughs> telling his two-year-old hey stop it and i don't think he knows how toddlers work that's so funny <laughs> ladies we are creeping up on the two-year anniversary of the first batch of moms are at their breaking point covid think pieces how do you plan to celebrate i'm leaning towards nervous breakdown but open to ideas <laughs> 
Nodding absentmindedly and saying sounds good to your child sometimes means that you just agree to sleep over with four (laughs) friends at your own house, and this is why parenting is dangerous. (laughs) Yeah, never nod and say sounds good. (laughs) No. If my kids are stuck on a deserted island with just one set of clothes, they still end up with piles of laundry. (laughs) Monopoly is a great game that teaches children the person with the most amount of money is usually an asshole. (laughs) That's true. It is. It's very true. (laughs) My kids are six and four, unless you're a business where three and under are free. (laughs) Then they're three. (laughs) Or under. (laughs) Thoughts and prayers for my eight-year-old who is distraught that he has to take a shower today after he just took a shower four days ago. Oh my god! What is it every day? Gross. (laughs) Kids will sleep no problem on any surface, but can't walk in their socks. Wait. But can't walk if their socks are on inside out. I heard my five-year-old talking about her boyfriend, so I asked what it meant to have a boyfriend. Five-year-old said, he gives me all his goldfish at snack time. Looks like she gets this relationship stuff. (laughs) That's cute. (laughs) Told my 10-year-old daughter that even though I got a big promotion at work, my most important job is still just being her dad. And she said, that's nice, and asked me to get her a glass of water. The hoodie is my jacket. Oh my god. Yeah, every teenager. (laughs) Every teenager in the world. God. Me, why are you in my closet? 11 year old. I like to fart in here. (laughs) Oh my god, what? (laughs) That's why my clothes smell like shit. (laughs) (laughs) My five year old has come up with bedtime topics such as how elephants give birth. How the sun produces heat and natural disasters. Wow. wow. Okay. (laughs) Ten-year-old. Dad, what's the opposite of discombobulated? Husband. Me, yelling from the kitchen, you don't know, do not say combobulated. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) I talk a lot of shit for a guy who knows all the lyrics to 43 Wiggles songs. I used to love the Wiggles. Oh my god, they were the so much better than like anything else. Oh my god, I was so glad when he stopped watching Barney and yeah. went to the Wiggles. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice change. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't think that, but no. trust me. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> Cold spaghetti. Cold spaghetti. <laughs> We should never get a baby because babies are awful. My youngest ensuring her job security. <laughs> we went out to, we went out to a pizza place the other night and we were sitting inside and there was this kid screaming. Did not want to be in there. He was pissed. <laughs> and uh Taryn like leaned over and she was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, listen to it. Birth control. <laughs> listen to it. Love it. Like just, just she already wait. knows she don't want kids though, don't she? Yeah, but she that doesn't mean accidents don't well, happen. Well, yeah, and you know, yeah, better think yeah. about what you do. Remember this, yep. 
That's all I got. Oh, okay. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, send in your stories. We need them. Ghoulsnightoutpodcast at gmail.com. You can look us up on Facebook. Request to join the group. Uh, rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen. And we will talk to you next week. Later. Bye.